Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high-income earners come to learn wealth-building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth-building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name's Christian Allen. I'm with my co-host, Rodney the Pod Zabriskie. What's up, Rodney? Hey, I am doing great. I'm excited for another amazing podcast today. Oh, man. And I'm just excited. I've been like jumping out of my chair in excitement for this topic. Yep. So today we are going to dive into the very exciting and interesting world of annuities. That's right. Annuities. Everybody's been waiting. Yeah, I know. Gosh, we just get email after email, people saying, could you guys just like break down the the pros, cons and everything in between of annuities? Um, and so we're because of popular demand, we're going to give the people what they want. I'm yes. just kidding. Um, obviously, we haven't talked a lot about annuities on the podcast. And to be totally honest, because of the market that we serve, it's just not generally a tool that we use all that often, mm -hmm. right? However, however, there is absolutely a place for the various types of annuities that exist out there. So we'll talk about when they're appropriate and when they're not. And like I said, everywhere in between. So that's it, Rod. We're going to dive into what we're calling annuities 101. What do you think? Yeah. And it is something that we have done a lot more in the past. So that's true. So we, we do have a level of expertise in this. In our previous life, this is probably 10 plus years ago where we did have a practice that was focused at the time mm -hmm. on the retirement planning side of things. And some of it was a little bit more traditional. And so like we used, yeah. I, I wouldn't say traditional, but somewhere in between at that time, we just like keep moving further and further over to the alternative side. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we do have uh, quite a bit of experience with annuities. And so this is a topic that Really, we just wanted to make sure that we hit on because it's, like I said, one that we haven't hit on yet. And, and it is an important financial vehicle that can help people in different situations. So we want to talk about that. Absolutely. Okay, Rodney, let's do it. Uh, first off, I think the starting point is what is an annuity? What is an annuity, Rod? Yeah, an annuity. The, th the first thing I'm going to say is it's usually a, it's a broader topic than most people know. In other words, uh, in its most, and, and we'll get into the different types and all this kind of thing, but in its most pure form, it's a way to guarantee, to create some guaranteed income that you can't outlive. Yeah. So anything that was a guaranteed income for life in the past was called an annuity, right? So you can annuitize anything. It doesn't have to be an annuity that's annuitized. It, it, so you think of things like, you know, like, uh, defined benefit plan. That was mm -hmm. basically like an annuity. Um, yep. Social security is another example. It's just like an annuity. So we're going to talk about, well, okay. So I should back up here. Like you said, Rod, that's just the broad sense of it, but it's taken on a whole new meaning, right? Yeah, so absolutely. there is that general terminology, but then we're going to get into what's now become like a, a, financial vehicle that's issued by insurance companies. And we're mm -hmm. going to dive into that part of it too. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, so the first part is we know what an annuity is. It's just an income for life, but mm -hmm. now let's take it further. Where do we go next on annuities? 
I am going to share my screen. So anyone who wants to, to jump over and take a look at this on our YouTube channel, go ahead and do that uh, because we're going to pop up a just a diagram, something that we use and have used a lot in the past when we meet with someone and are just giving them an introduction to what annuities are. Yep. Um, let's see, Rod. Did you make it big enough? There you go. That looks better. That way, if you're if you're watching us on YouTube, you're checking it out, you can see it pretty clearly. Okay, so Rod, we're going to break this thing out into, well, I'll just let you go through the diagram part of it and and add any commentary. You'll, you'll be the, the color way. commentary? Okay. I'll be the color. Yep. Yeah, that, sounds, yeah, that good. sounds good. Okay, so first thing we're doing is we're breaking it into two broad categories of annuities. The first one on the left-hand side we call pure income annuities. And then on the right-hand side, we're calling them deferred annuities. So let's start mm. with the pure income annuities first. You know what I'm realizing, Rod? Yeah. We almost should have like another another point going off there that's like for the general definition of annuities, right? Because you have like annuities in general. And then now we have right here annuities that are issued by life insurance companies. Cause that's really what we're that's really what we're getting at, yeah. right? We're specifically um going to be talking about a financial instrument that's that's basically like the opposite of life insurance. And you described yeah. this really well, Rod, but like we're going to be focusing on specifically a financial instrument known as an annuity that's issued from life insurance companies generally for the purpose, or at least initially for the purpose of helping people make sure they don't outlive their money. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. So it is uniquely uh, a function that a life insurance company can offer because on the one hand, with life insurance, they're insuring people against dying too young, right? Yes. Kind of yep. helping them fulfill their obligations and, and take care of the people that they love if something happens and they die young. What an annuity is, it's the opposite. It's making sure if someone, I'm not going to say lives too long, but if they how just make sure they don't. It, how much is too long, Rod? <laughs> Do you think it's thing. like if you get to like 80, 86, that's, that's too long. Or is it, well, I guess Quality it depends. Of life I've got a grandpa fun. that's 96 and he just went on an airplane ride with his dog um, just like a month <laughs> or two ago. It might have been like six months ago. But okay. anyway, like you're you're right. It probably depends on the person and the quality of life. But yeah, there's pro you probably can't live too long. But we definitely want to make sure that you can't outlive your money. That's it. Yep. That's the key. So, and that's the one of the major concerns. Like if you said... For everybody heading into retirement, what's your number one top concern in retirement? Uh, most often, you're going to get the answer that I I want to make sure that I don't run out of money before I die. And, and it usually doesn't matter how much money the person has. I mean, oh, it's true. There, there's Absolutely. probably some line where, but like inside of the, we have, I can't tell you how many people we've talked to that have, you know, a 10 million, 15 million dollar net worth or so, and they're still biggest concern going in is running out of money, spending yep. too much, right? Like, yep. so it's a huge issue. And, and again, that's why annuities exist. Yes. Okay. So as we look at the pure income annuities, uh, this is basically uh, just doing that, creating a, a guaranteed stream of income that lasts as long as you live. And more specifically, when we set them up, we define who, whose life is is guaranteed in other words it could be an individual if you're married most likely it's going to be for a husband and a wife in other words 
the later one that passes away, the income is going to continue till, you know, till the second of them passes. Um, but all of that gets defined inside of, uh, as we set up the annuity contract with the insurance company. And in this case, think of it like, let's say I have a lump sum of cash and let's just say I have 500 grand. Okay. And I want that to be kind of towards my retirement. In this case, with a pure income annuity, I'm giving that to the insurance company in exchange for that guaranteed income. In other words, the $500,000 no longer exists. It's not you in my name it. anymore. Yep. It's a trade. It's a, yep. and, and it's not one that they generally like to go back on. So it's what, no. it, if there was signs, it would say like no refunds. Yeah. Yeah. You can't back up. Once you turn Higher that thing into an result. income stream, that's, you know, that's it. Yeah. Game set. So that's one of the difficulties or the challenges around annuities, obviously, yeah. but it's also one of the benefits, right? It's yeah. locked in. You know exactly what you're going to get. Yep. Um, heck or high water. And the insurance companies, it, it's all about the actuary, right? Again, I, mean, I mentioned they're uniquely qualified. Well, they're doing all the actuarial work on, on the life insurance. So now they're just, it's just as an extension of that, the actuarial work on how long someone is going to live. Is this and, some sort of like conflict of interest, Rod, playing both sides? Gosh, these insurance no. companies, they're playing both sides, <laughs> profiting from people dying too. Or from, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I guess it makes sense that if they're doing the underwriting, the actuarial stuff mm. around mortality, I guess it just kind of makes sense. But like yep. on, on another level, it's kind of weird. <laughs> okay well, sorry there sorry, are those who I, think the, the whole topic is weird life okay, insurance yeah and, i guess like just is. trying to trying to think about when people are gonna die uh yeah it's it really is interesting rod like insurance companies are in a uniquely qualified situation to be able to accomplish both of those things so like i said it it, it seems a little bit odd and yet it just makes sense right yeah makes complete yep. sense Okay. So you've exchanged that lump sum for this guaranteed income. How much are you going to receive? Well, it kind of depends on some of the facts. Is it for an individual or is it for a couple? If it's for an individual, then it's going to be a higher income than it is if it's for a couple. Again, just going back to all the statistics, right? Well, why would it be, Rod? You just said it goes back to statistics, but why? Statistically, uh, if there are two people that you're insuring and and it's going to pay out till the second person passes, mm. well, one person's going to die before the other. So mm. it, it moves the line in terms of the, right. the actuarial tables. Okay. I just wanted to clarify. I don't want to, I don't want to skip over anything. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the other question is, do I take it as just a, a guaranteed income for my life? No matter how long I live, we're, we're talking about it in terms of if I live long, well, what if I die tomorrow? I just gave them 500 grand. Is that, does that income do anything? Right? Well, the, here's the, here's the interesting part. You can basically do any variation that you want, right? Yep. You can, you could say, Hey, I'm going to give you 500 grand, but I need to make sure that I get paid for at least 10 years. They call yes. it a period certain. Yep. So you could do a 10 year, you could do a 20 year period certain, right? Um, or you could do like with refund, right? Yeah. Now, everything that we talk about here also has an impact on the amount of money that the insurance company is going to guarantee you for life. So yep. if you give your 500,000 and it's, there's no, no bells and whistles attached to it, then that's going to be your highest source of immediate. And 
most likely long-term income. Although the inflation rider might end up throwing a wrench in that. Oh boy. Now you're jumping ahead, but yeah, you're sorry. Right. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to get crazy no, and jump ahead fine. to the inflation yeah. rider, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, yeah, there's, there's all these variations. You can use any form of it. And I think that's important to know, right? Because yep. so often when we think of annuities, they get kind of put into one thing or another. And the reality is today annuities look, you know, 25 different ways. You can just yeah. go a lot of different, they're not this pure income play um, exclusively there. Right. That's just one small piece of what annuities do. And so anyway, it's important, I think, to kind of understand and be able to unpack it. Yeah. And I would say the most common option people will choose is life income with a period certain. Yeah. Most people just, just have a hard time accepting the fact that if they die soon, that that money is just gone. gone. And so they'll do that. Now, now what some back people to your will point, do, Rod, I've, in the past, now this, this isn't working as well lately, but early on in my career, you could do a combination of the annuity and the life insurance and really make it a winning situation mm -hmm. by provide by creating as much income as possible on a life only and then using the a portion of it to to get the death benefit. So yeah. so there's like things you could do to to play with that and maximize it and that kind of thing, but generally speaking you're absolutely right. The the that's normally what people are doing. Wait, did you say you were you were playing both sides of the table now? Oh, and life insurance at the same yeah. time. Yeah, we it's an it was an arbitrage play, Rod. Yeah. We were playing yeah. both, Absolutely. and it was a winning one. And yeah, so in this case, we were trying to create maximum income, maximum income without disinheriting the family. Yeah, and it worked quite well. I I agree. I think it's brilliant. Okay, so under the pure income annuities, we have two two kind of ways of doing it. There's an immediate annuity. If I need the income now, I give them the 500 grand and I turn on the income in a month. The deferred income annuity is if I have the lump sum of money and I know I want it to be turned into a guaranteed stream of income, but I don't need the income now. I need it in two years or five years or whatever. Then I give them the money and this deferred income annuity then then tells says we're, we're going to start this income based on whatever time you said. Okay, Rod. So one of the things that I'm really, that I always get excited about talking about here, and you've introduced it brilliantly, is that now we have the SPIA and mm -hmm. the DIA. Yeah. So we're, the life insurance company is just really great at these acronyms. So anyway, I just, <laughs> I really love their acronyms and I want to make sure everybody knows that an immediate annuity is oftentimes called a SPIA, stands for single premium immediate annuity. Yeah. Right? Yep. And then now we have a deferred income annuity or a DIA. Yeah. Spendia. You're welcome for that profound commentary. It's it made it worth it. Everybody who's listening to this is now <laughs> like, I'm done. I'm good. Okay. So okay, but it is important, right? To understand that there's two different types of mm -hmm. income specific annuities. And we haven't even gotten into the fun stuff yet. Yeah. So the next category is deferred annuities. And the biggest difference here is in what happens to that $500,000 when I send it to the life insurance company. Because with a deferred annuity, they actually are creating an account, putting that 500,000 into the account. It's in my name, it's in the individual's name. So that didn't disappear. It's actually still there. So this is significantly different, Rod, like yep. you're saying, significantly different. It's basically like you have 
an account and we'll talk about the ways that that, that account can grow, but it's basically like an account with a tax benefit wrapper around it. Yeah. And that's really what's happening here. It's not at all this. And, and this is where people get hung up because we're so used to thinking of annuity means income annuity means, you know, cash or like a settlement, like all mm -hmm. of those things we think of as our traditional annuities. And now over here, we're talking about an annuity, but we're talking about an actual account that grows. That's there. If I die, it goes to my family. Yeah. I have access to it, all of those things. So it's very, very different than what we generally think of when we're talking about annuities. And I just wanted yeah. to like really highlight that point. Absolutely. And we can turn that into a guaranteed stream of income if and mm. when we decide to do that. We could annuitize but it at any moment. In the meantime, it sits there and grows. Okay. Hopefully. This, so let's talk. Yeah, that's a good point. So let's talk about the different, the various ways that a an annuity, again, a deferred annuity yeah. can grow. Okay. So the first one we're going to talk about is a fixed annuity. This is kind of like a CD that you put the money in there and they say, yeah, we're going to pay you X amount of an X amount of interest rate for the next name a period, three years, five years, seven years. And you know exactly what you're going to earn. It's just set. Yep. So you could go and say, I want to put 200,000 in and I know over the next five years, I'm going to get four percent and that's it i just know exactly what i'm getting and that way uh it's really easy to plan however generally interest rates aren't that exciting inside of fixed annuities yeah they still have their place though oh yep. you know what i was going to bring up rob there's another point here so we talked about them being like cds you might run into floating rate annuities too and those are a little bit different they're similar but basically they have like they might have a guaranteed rate for a year and then mm -hmm. they have like a floating rate that might be between a minimum and a maximum. So there's kind of various ways that they use these to grow. But again, the point here is the word fixed. You basically mm -hmm. know what you're going to get from the day that you go into the annuity. Yep. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Okay. Next. Yeah. Next let's go to the other end of the extreme. And we're going to talk about variable annuities. Mm, okay. I'm excited so, to talk about variable annuities. Rob. Yeah. So variable annuity, the money is in your account. And but what, it, what they're going to do is they're going to offer you uh, a mix of, they call them sub accounts, but it's basically like mutual funds that, that your money is going to be invested in. And the value of your account will fluctuate depending on how those investments perform. So very simple. You have an investment account with a tax wrapper around it. And that's really it, all it is. Yep. Now, sometimes they might offer more or less, right? So most of them, it, it probably feels a little more like a 401k. So mm -hmm. they'll give you generally a handful, maybe 30 or so mutual funds to pick from. You go in and you can choose which ones you want to be invested in. But you're invested directly in the market. If the market goes up, you're making money on that. If the market goes down, you're obviously losing money on that. Now, what is the, let's talk really quickly. Well, actually, Rod, do we want to talk about positives and negatives of these yet? Or should we circle let's back on define that? Define them. Yeah, I think we'll, okay, okay. we'll get into those. I almost I almost got way ahead of us. So let's, uh, <laughs> I think that probably covers variable annuities. Though. Yeah, yeah, pretty simple. Okay, and then in between the two, so we talked about fixed, we've talked about variable. In between, they have what they call an indexed annuity. Mm -hmm. And with an indexed annuity, it still grows based on what's happening in the stock market 
or in okay, an wait, index. Rod, I have a question. A market index. Is it yes. called a, an indexed annuity or a fixed indexed annuity? Or an equity indexed annuity. Or is it called an equity indexed annuity? <laughs> it Woo! is called all of the above. I <laughs> if our man Jeremy was here, he would call it an equity indexed annuity. Yeah. We would probably call it a fixed indexed annuity. Yeah. Remember? And what's funny is it depends on the standpoint, like from, from where you're looking, how you like them. So yeah. let's define what it okay, is. Talk about what it is. Okay. So it grows based on what's happening in a market index. We'll use the S&P 500 as our example, so that each year, depending on what happened in the in the index, if it went up, you'll participate in a portion of the gains. If the index goes down in value, you don't participate in the losses. We just don't earn any interest. May sound familiar, right? Indexed Universal Sounds Life. a little like IUL. Indexed Universal Life. Yep. There are obviously a lot of similarities, right? Yeah. But there are some significant differences too. Yes. So don't don't assume that they're exactly the same, um, but in principle they do work the same, right? Yeah. The concept. We have a yeah. cap. We have a floor. We know that we're going to get something in between our cap and a floor every year, and so for that reason, it gives us a little extra um, comfort, and that's why many people would f would call them fixed indexed annuities because you can't lose money, right? Correct. Yep. And the other people call it an equity index annuity because it grows based on what's happening in equities in that index. Right. Mm. So, so should we call it a fixed equity index annuity? I think we should. We should <laughs> coin that phrase. FEIA, Rod. That's it. Okay. <laughs> cool. Okay. Uh, okay. So that's good. So we have variable annuity. So we have fixed annuity. Simple, straightforward. We get an interest rate, just like a CD. So only the, the primary difference is, is it's issued from the insurance company with the tax wrapper around it. We're going to talk about taxes yep. and annuities yep. here in a few minutes. Uh, and then we talked about variable annuities. Basically a market-based account with the tax wrapper of an annuity mm -hmm. around it. And then finally, we talked about an index, which is kind of somewhere in between. You have a cap and a floor and you can earn a return based on the performance of whatever index that it's associated with yep. attached to. Okay, Rod, that I think was, that probably covers it in terms of like our annuity overview part. Let's get into the fun stuff. Should we? Can I hit on one more thing before we do that? No, mm -mm. we're moving on. I'm just <laughs> okay, kidding. Two things. Okay. Uh, inside of these annuities in any of these categories, fixed indexed or variable, you can have riders. So I talked about earlier how, yes, you have an account. Yes, it's it's there. It's your money. Um, but you can turn it into a stream of income. You can annuitize it. In other words, you you take you basically switch out your income value and, and turn it into that guaranteed income like we talked about earlier. Or you can have an income rider attached to it so that you turn on a guaranteed stream of income, but that and that income is coming out of your account, but you still have an account value that sits there. So I turned on the income rider. I die the next day. There's still mostly most of my money sitting there. Well, that still goes to my heirs. Yeah. And I will say this, generally speaking, when we have used annuities and, and we, again, we don't use them as often today because of our, because of the market that we work in. So generally what we do though, is we use an income rider because mm -hmm. they have, a, there's a lot of power to it. You're not losing access to this underlying value like you would if you annuitize. But what's really interesting is a lot of times you can create an income, maybe not identical to 
the annuitization option, mm -hmm. but that's pretty strong without giving up the entire bucket of money. Yeah. And that's a big deal. So I'm glad, to, I'm glad that you brought that up. Okay. Was that the only other thing or do, did you have two? Uh, we'll get into the other stuff as we talk through some of the more details okay. about the taxation and kind of how, how we have access to funds and that kind of thing. Okay, Rod, we're through like at least 10% of our outline already. Awesome. We're on schedule. <laughs> okay, we're just kidding. If you heard that joke, just stick with us because <laughs> the next, the, the second half, we'll say, will be more interesting, I think, and uh, it'll be a lot faster paced. Okay, Rod, so next we got to talk about, now that we've kind of defined what they are, the different types, mm -hmm. we need to talk about why they're used, when they're used. We're going to talk about the positives and the negatives. Okay. Yeah. So, Rod, just give us a general overview on why annuities are used. Just, again, high level. Maybe, you know, as I think about that, that may be an impossible question to answer, but do your best. I'll, yeah, I'll hit the from, because they're really two angles that we usually come from. We usually have people who want that guaranteed income. So surprise, surprise, we'll use an annuity to help them do that. We also sometimes will have people who have money, often in qualified accounts, that they want, they don't necessarily need to turn on to a guaranteed stream of income, but they also don't want to have it just be sitting out there, you know, invested in the market without any kind of that downside protection. So an indexed annuity can offer a place where people can put that money, where they have that downside protection, but they still can get a portion of the gains as, as you know, the market grows. And it's, it's fairly unique, right? It's kind of a fairly unique uh, way to have that money there. And then they can access a portion of it when they need it. Uh, they can kind of take income as needed type of type of scenario. But then at some point, they can still turn on that guaranteed income if and when they want to. So we, we kind of treat that as kind of like an accumulation purpose behind using an annuity. Yeah. Okay. Those are, those are perfect points. And they're going to lead us into our positives and negatives. So yeah. let's talk about... The positives and what I did, Rod, is I didn't. Th these first ones that I'm we're going to mention are coming directly from annuity.org. So these are not. We are not sharing the Money Insights opinions necessarily on these positives. However, we are going to talk about five reasons not to buy an annuity, and then mm -hmm. we'll talk about um, a few reasons that maybe you should. Okay. Okay. Let's like do it. it. Okay, Rod, positives. The first one is that it's the only financial vehicle that can guarantee a lifetime income. Is that true, Rod? It's, as a private individual, yes. Okay. Like you mentioned okay. earlier pensions and, and defined benefit plans and other things like that. that uh, Social Security that guarantees... They create to have guarantee. And, you know, you can, there are notes and things like that that can provide... Some, but But, again... The guarantee of a note is not the same as a guarantee coming from, you know, a 200-year-old life insurance company. Yeah. So, okay. That one's mostly true. So, the second one, you can purchase qualified or non-qualified annuities. That is that is a positive. So, <laughs> obviously, qualified. I should back up. Qualified just means tax qualified. So, it means that you can do it. You can purchase annuities inside of an IRA or 401k or 403b or whatever else. Um, that's an option. It can be qualified. Or, of course, you can have a non-qualified annuity, which, I don't know, is this the right time to, to define like what, what's different between those two when it comes to attack from a tax standpoint? Sure. I think it is a great time. Okay. You hit it, Rod. You're better. Okay. At this stuff. 
Yeah. So with, with non-qualified money, again, it's just like, it's just money you've already paid taxes on it sitting in a bank account or brokerage account or something. And if you see value in what an annuity can provide, then you might want to move that money in into. Okay. But what's interesting about this is an annuity is meant to be a retirement vehicle. So as mm, soon as you yes. do, even if it's non-qualified money and you move it into an annuity, you're still subject to some of the rules that, that are, are exist around 401ks and IRAs and whatnot. The, the biggest one is the 59 and a half rule. If you access the money before 59 and a half, you'll pay a 10% penalty, even though it's non-qualified money. So it's and kind of a weird thing And that is a bizarre component, right? So if you're 40 years old and you're thinking like, hey, I found this vehicle that I think actually fits my, my risk profile pretty well, it may not fit in terms of that, right? right. Like you yep. may be looking at it and saying, okay, but if I want to take it at 55, then this may not be the best place to do it. Now, yeah. I will say this, Rod, and we didn't talk about this either, but generally speaking, annuities have withdrawal provisions. Mm -hmm. Normally, they'll give you like a 10% withdrawal, free withdrawal that's like, you can use that, you don't have to worry about um, surrender charges. We'll talk about those in a few minutes, but it's not that there's no way to get access to like to to money in that situation, but it's much more stringent. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So so non qualified annuity. I put the money in, and suddenly it becomes a tax deferred vehicle, right? So mm -hmm. I have my money sitting out here. Let's say it's sitting in a bank CD. It earns interest, and then I have to pay pay tax on the interest. Uh, if it's an annuity, let's just say it's a fixed annuity, I move that money, it earns the exact same interest. Now the interest is tax deferred, meaning I don't have to take it out. I don't have to pay tax on that until I'm actually using it. Yep. Okay. So now talk about the qualified side real quick, and then we'll keep going. Yeah. Qualified because that money already went in uh, pre-tax and it is tax deferred. It's just going to do the same thing. You put it in an annuity, it's the, the, tax continues to be deferred until you take the money out. And when you take any money out, it is fully taxed again, yep. just the way it would have been 401k IRA, you know, invested somewhere else. So annuities are taxed on what they call a last in first out basis, which I think we didn't have it in our notes to talk about this, but probably important. Yeah. Basically what that means is that the most recent growth of the account has to come out before I can take earlier capital. Let me let me try to play this out. So let's say that I have an account, I put $100,000 in it initially, and then over the next couple of years, it starts to grow and it grows from 100,000 to 120,000. Okay. Uh, and now I'm thinking, okay, I wanna take some money out of this. And if I think I'm gonna get any, if I think I'm gonna get it back tax-free, I'm wrong, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to pay tax on the 20,000, but here's the deal. I have to pay tax on the interest earned on the 20,000 before I can reach into my original 100,000 and start taking that out. Correct. But once I've paid that tax, now the stuff that I put in originally, my cost basis obviously comes out non-taxable. Right. Okay. Um, and and like, like we talked about on the qualified side, it's just everything's taxable coming out. Okay, Rod, number three, we don't talk about this a lot. State guarantee associations insure consumers if the life insurance company goes out of business. Talk about it. That's a big deal. Obviously, if your guaranteed income is linked to this life insurance company, 
they have to stick around, right? So <laughs> it's important. That is really yeah. important. And this is the state guarantee associations. It's actually a, it's an industry based thing. So in, in some ways you can think of it as being similar to the FDIC, but the FDIC is government based. These state guarantee associations are basically all the insurance companies who do business in that state band together and kind of like bail out a company if, if they are going under or, or yeah. bail out the consumers, the, the policyholders and, and kind of the promises that have been made to them in the case of the insurance company going out of business. So this ongoing state guarantee association just pools money together ongoingly so that if and when there's a situation where somebody goes out of business, then now they have the ability to come in and take care of that, right? It's yep. basically like all of the, uh, it's a bunch of buddies working together to make sure that if one's in a tough situation, the other people can come in and help them. Yeah. Uh, but the good news is, is we're talking about life insurance companies, a lot of them that have been around for 150 years, right? So mm -hmm. like these are the most stable financial institutions in the world. Um, so when you, I guess the reason I'm saying that is because some people feel great about an FDIC guarantee. Mm -hmm. I feel much better about my state guarantee association guarantee than uh -huh. I do about an FDIC guarantee. And that's because I know that they actually have the money. The government's like, they're backing me up with their, you know, trillions of dollars of debt. And at some yeah, point printing you know, the, the, yeah. the printer. Yeah. I guess they, you know, they, they can print as much as they want. So maybe that works, but you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yep. Uh, anyway, so it's nice to have the guarantee and, just for clarity, it's not necessarily on the whole thing. It depends on the state and it's for mm -hmm. certain limits. So it might be for 250,000 or 500,000 or whatever. Just again, depending on your state, they have different limits and um, make sure you look into that. Yep. Okay, Rod, number four, payments don't necessarily end when the annuitant dies. Okay, this yeah. is interesting and a point that we haven't really talked about. So why don't you hit on it? Yeah, so we talked about the guarantee... And I think we had a little bit as far as the the period certain, right? Okay, so if, you're right. We did have that. If I want to make sure that somebody gets money, even if I die tomorrow, then when I turn on that stream of income, I can say, you know, let's make sure it pays out for at least X number of years. But if I do that, I take less income as a result. Again, yep. just statistically speaking, the way that the insurance company is divvying out that money among the the guaranteed, you know, the, the annuities just makes sense. They're, they're going to pay a little bit less if I'm saying I have to get it for 10 years or 20 years or however long I set that period certain. Well, and naturally, Rod, the longer the period certain, the less money I get. So if I have like a five-year period certain, it's probably going to go down by like two bucks a year or something. Uh -huh. uh, but if I have a 30-year period certain, you're probably going to take a pretty significant hit on the actual income that it's bringing out. Yep. Um, okay. But the nice thing here is, is you could create an annuity and a situation where it's not just planning to die or to go for the rest of my own life, I could say, Hey, I'm putting this money here and I want to make sure that when I die, it still pays out to my family, my heirs for X, Y, Z period of time. Yep. Okay. Rod number five, it's tax deferred until you take money out. We've talked a little yes. bit about this, so we probably don't need to beat on it too hard, but I'll just restate kind of the way that this works in a, in a non qualified annuity, which again, just means it's not in an IRA or 401k or anything like that. I put my money in and it now becomes tax deferred until. So, so that is a benefit, right? Like if you consider the difference between 
putting money in, like, even if it's the market or if, especially like if it's a CD, I do get a 10, 1099 and annuities. I don't get the 1099 until I take it out. So if it's money that I'm not planning on using, um, annuities have a benefit of being tax deferred. Yes. Okay, Rod, number six from annuity.org is they can be suitable for people with varying levels of risks and circumstances. And we've probably naturally hit on this as we've mm -hmm. gone through it just by showing this kind of um, depiction that there's like, you know, a bunch of different kinds of annuities. They have a variety of different purposes and you could go in like some annuities are really great for charitable planning. Some of it's mm -hmm. for, for income and retirement planning. Um, annuities right now aren't great for growth, if I'm being totally honest. So that's like a, a weakness. But um, when I first got in the business, I remember this was probably 2000. Well, let's see, it was, I was probably in the business for like five years. And there was a company that I was doing a little bit of business with, and they were offering like a 7.5% fixed annuity mm. for seven years. Like, Unheard tell me of. who wouldn't, who wouldn't be like, I'm, I'm interested in that today. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, all of them kind of have, you know, can have a place, but annuities are in a tough place um, or they have been with interest rates being so low. Okay. okay, Rod, let's talk about five reasons to buy an annuity. Okay. So I have to introduce this because this is a new element that I haven't talked about yet. Um, I got this content specifically from our man, Stan, the Stan, the annuity man. Mm -hmm. And he's basically an annuity guy who likes to beat up on everybody else that sells annuities so that you'll buy from him instead. Uh -huh. And he's done a really good job at like marketing that way. Cause, cause like he basically bashes annuities and then he's like, here, here's the application sign up. <laughs> anyway, he's, he's done a good job with it, but, but here's what, here's five reasons that uh, Stan, the annuity man says not to buy an annuity. Number one, don't buy an annuity if you're younger than 50. Rod, how do you feel about that? I mean, I I can go along with that in most cases. Okay. Um, it's a general especially, statement. Especially the non-guaranteed side. Or because if I'm, it's non-guaranteed money, I'm putting it in. Now I'm now I'm kind of locking it up, so to speak, till at least I'm 59 and a half. If I access it, I'll I'll pay that penalty. So anyway, I can I can go for that one. You can go for that one. Okay. I should just also add that. These are Stan's reasons, but we're going to talk about the real reasons next. Sweet. Right? So this is just like a warm up. Um, Stan's reasons. Number two, Rod, this is really profound. You should not get an annuity if you don't have enough money. So, so if an annuity company, the life insurance company says that the minimum is 20,000 to get into the annuity and you only have 10, well, that's probably <laughs> a good reason not oh, to get into an annuity. Don't do it. Don't do brilliant. it. Brilliant. Okay, brilliant. Um, this is this next one's really good too. Don't get into annuity if it's not suitable. You mean if it's not providing the benefits and and things that you're looking for, you shouldn't. <laughs> exactly. Do it. You shouldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. 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 If yeah. you if as an example, let's say that I would really like to create an income in ten years from now that helps me to re retire comfortably. Mm -hmm. I probably should not while I'm actively working, trade a lump sum for a SPIA. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. It's absolutely fair. Good advice from Stan. Okay. Number one, number four, I mean, expectations aren't in line. Okay. So if you expect to get an ongoing 10 or 15% return from your annuity, 
I would encourage you not to buy it. And so would Stan. Agreed. <laughs> okay. Finally, <laughs> number five is if you don't need pill. Okay. I actually like this a little bit from Stan. This is his best one. And it is pill stands for protection, income for life, legacy, and long-term care. And I will say this annuities generally are fairly good at providing those benefits. So if you don't need any of those benefits, again, annuities are probably, how is that any different than not suitable, Rod? It feels like the same thing. He just wanted to use the acronym, I think. Oh, yeah. And if you read his stuff, you might find that he does repeat himself a lot. But, you know, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's he's, he's just, he's making a point. Okay. Let's talk about the real reasons now that we've been through the fake <laughs> reasons from Stan. Okay. And, and this is, I'm going to get serious about this because this is important. Um, I have fairly strong opinions about annuities right now. And like mm -hmm. I said, generally, I, we haven't sold them in years because for the most part, because they're, they're, haven't been a lot of good situations to make sense of doing it right okay. again doesn't mean there's no place but it's just been harder and i want to make sure that we are like legitimate and we've got to be at least hard on annuities where they deserve to be hard on is that I fair like yep. okay first one rod they are often complex and confusing okay if anybody has like tried to understand or like got into like the documents behind how variable or indexed annuity work, indexed annuities work. It's just ridiculous, right? Like it's difficult even for us as agents and advisors to make sense of an understand at times, which means it's going to be even more difficult if you're a potential client looking at that, evaluating it, trying to make options. So, or trying to determine what the best course of action is. And it would be really nice if we could figure out how to simplify so that they weren't quite as complex and confusing. And it usually happens when it's the combination of the different things you have to choose from. So, for example, we we, we laid out the fixed indexed at variable. You have to decide which of those you want. Do you want an income rider? Okay, great. What are my options? Oh, you have these three different options inside of the same product that you can choose for the income rider <laughs> in terms of how it pays out, how how it determines the income when it's going to pay out. And other other riders, you mentioned long-term mm -hmm. care a minute ago. Yep. There are long-term care riders that can be attached to them. And I'm not saying that, that each of these pieces don't have legitimate reasons for being there. But when you put them, especially when you put them in combination and you're trying to make a decision, it can be difficult. Well, and you're trying to like gauge what you think that the equate the equation of the okay, so Another question would be after that rod is which index do I choose? So I'm now I'm saying, yeah. okay, I've got the time, I've got the in the income rider. I'm trying to determine what product is going to get me there the bet the fastest. And now I'm trying to determine which like index I want to use. So it, it's just a deep and challenging and confusing issue. And so like I don't want to pretend that annuities just are awesome all the time. Sometimes they're really confusing and difficult for people to understand. So um, that's the number one reason in my mind why it, it can be difficult and might make sense not to buy one. And I would say just because of that, because we felt that anytime we look at annuities with, for people, we tend to gravitate toward the simpler ones. Yeah. Laying, that's fair. laying it out in more simple fashion for people because it, it is just too hard to try to, to navigate the, yeah, the and, math. you know, think about trying to, determine whether this company's income rider 
is likely to outperform this company's mm -hmm. income rider, right? Mm -hmm. It just becomes confusing. Okay, so we've probably beat that hard enough. Let's talk about the second one, Rod. Like life insurance, oftentimes it's sold instead of bought. And all I mean here is just that sometimes annuities get a bad rap because there are people, okay, here's my, here's my contention for why this is the case. The point of entrance is just too easy. In mm. other words, all you have to do to sell an annuity or life insurance is have a life insurance license, right? Yeah. So I study for, you know, a few weeks or a month, I go past my test and I'm able to do these things. Well, the challenge is, is that you're, you know, you're taking real money from real people that are, that's going to be really impactful. And this is probably just an industry issue. You could say the same thing about life insurance security. You could probably say the same thing about just about anything, mm -hmm. but I want to emphasize the fact just that it is known for having a lot of people who are peddling it rather than really focusing on the benefit of the person. So just something to be aware of. Licensing doesn't necessarily uh, mean expertise. Yes. It's, and it doesn't even necessarily mean competence. Yeah. <laughs> so let's take it another level, right? Yeah. Cause there is nothing that you study when getting ready for an insurance, an insurance exam that gives you much of any value as you start to go and actually work with people. Yeah. And this has forced the industry to put regulations in place so that in order, before you do anything with, for example, index annuities, you have to take an, an extra, uh, Oh yeah. They have like the AML and that kind exam. of stuff. And, and then each individual product, each company, when they offer a product, they have to offer training on that product. And in order to sell that product, you have to go through that training, which let's just, as I'm saying this, it just sounds so stupid because why would you sell something you don't know or understand first, <laughs> but they were forced to do that because that very people were doing was it. Happening. Yeah. Okay. So that was it. And the catalyst for all of this is bad selling practices and mm -hmm. and it was primarily bad selling practices to seniors right because annuities yeah, right. are generally a, a a vehicle appropriate for older people and so for that reason they've they, and they've gotten better on it they need to keep going getting getting better improving that but that's mm -hmm. something to watch out for yep. okay rod number three is that it's a liquid for a period of time that was illiquid for a period of time mm -hmm. and this goes back to the surrender period surrender charge idea annuities have an, a, a surrender charge slash surrender period associated with them virtually all the time. Well, what does that mean? It just means that um, there I have a penalty for taking my money. out. I'll give you an example of how this generally works. Let's say I bought a 10-year annuity. If I were to buy that 10-year annuity um, and and let's say there was a hundred thousand, I put a hundred thousand dollars into that, and six months later I decide, you know what, I don't like it. I'm out they're probably going to charge you 10% to get out. So mm -hmm. I would walk away with my 90,000, not my hundred. Yep. That would be a bad choice, right? Yep. What happens is, is that surrender charge generally steps down each year. Sometimes it's in, uh, you know, even increments, but sometimes it can be kind of wonky increments too. The point is when you're earlier on, it's going to be a higher surrender charge. When you're later on, it will be less of a surrender charge, but virtually all annuities do have a surrender charge and that is and can be a huge negative depending on what your focus is yeah so if if you're ever considering it you need to know what the surrender period is how long it lasts it could be five it could be seven it could be ten those are those are probably the most common 
and know that that you're planning you're from a suitability standpoint that, that you know you're you're just going to be in there for that period of time and and that's fine right like Kristen said you still have access to up to 10% of it without any kind of surrender charge but be comfortable that that you're you know you're going to be okay if if you stay there for the whatever period that is yep it takes planning it takes takes planning okay rod we are already to number 5 some okay. annuities are quite expensive Okay, I'll talk about it first. So generally, when we talk about expensive annuities, we're thinking about either either um, variable or indexed. And really, mm -hmm. um, fixed indexed or fixed annuities just they're not. They they usually don't have really fees associated with them in in the traditional sense, right? It's just it's going to pay four percent or three percent or whatever, and you just know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, that's not the case generally with fix or sorry with variable and indexed annuities and one of the challenges and this isn't this isn't true across the board but one of the challenges that often that we often see is that they just get expensive so it's not uncommon to see a poorly designed variable annuity where someone's paying three or four percent to own it right yeah and so we never want to see that make sure that if you're considering the variable annuity space that you know expenses are on the list of things to be considering and thinking about and the second category of of expenses usually falls in in the riders yes it could be the income rider it could be the long-term care rider uh, there are, again there are other riders that that come with that so if you're considering an annuity and you're thinking hey i, I like this income rider it sounds really good well just be firm and and clear on whether or not there are any fees and what those are Exactly. Okay, Rod, we we're we're coming down the pipe here. Number six, once you annuitize, you can't turn back. I already made this point, but it's a big one. Yep. You and you can, like you said, we can annuitize at any point in time. It can be a, a deferred annuity, and I could just call the insurance company and say, All right, I'm ready to annuitize, right? Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. just have to be careful. Like annuitization can be extremely powerful. We haven't even talked about the benefit of like the exclusion ratio, Rod. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that really quick. Yeah. Okay. So one of the benefits you get from annuities is you can spread out your interest earned, and they call that an exclusion ratio. So let's just say theoretically I have an annu a, a variable annuity or an index annuity, and it's grown by fifty thousand dollars. Well, instead of just going to my last in first out methodology, I can basically take that fifty thousand dollars of growth and move it into and spread it out over the life of my annuity. So I might, instead of paying 100% um, taxes on it, it might go down to like 80%. So now I take $10,000 a year out of it and I'm paying taxes on 8,000 instead of all 10. And the reason is because I got that exclusion ratio, which is can be a benefit. Yep. Um, okay, but again, the point here is that once you annuitize, you can't turn back. So don't annuitize if you don't want to. Sorry, let me say that again. Don't annuitize if you want to keep your money. Okay, Rod, number seven, the 59 and a half rule, which you hit on before, but it's just kind of a painful one. Mm -hmm. You have to be aware. And this is, this is probably more than anything else, the biggest reason why annuities end up being primarily for older people, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if, you, if you're if you like a, a non-risk taker and you like to get three or four percent or maybe you want to try to get five or six percent, like 
potentially using an indexed annuity could be great in that situation. Mm -hmm. Even if you're 30 or 40, the problem might be if you want to get access to that. So yep. anyway, the 59 and a half rule can be hard. Those are the reasons. So I'm going to recap these really quick, Rod. The reasons, these are our seven reasons that you would not want to buy annuities. Number one, too complex and confusing. Number two, sold more often than they're bought. Number three, they can be illiquid because of surrender charges, which is number four. Number five, they can be expensive. Number six, once you annuitize, there's no turning back. And number seven, they've got this pesky 59 and a half rule associated with it. Did I? Did we cover most of it? I think so. Yeah, I think we got it. Okay, Rod, I'm going to ask you the difficult question here. And I don't want to hear you say that it depends. So <laughs> what's the verdict on annuities? Right? And I'm just teasing. That's actually not fair because clearly annuities have a place. Yep. And yet... Um, like I said, like I've said probably three or four times for most of our audience, it's probably not a great fit, but there are those situations, especially if you're a retiree moving into the space where you want to guarantee income annuities can be uh, incredibly valuable for that. Absolutely. Okay. So I have a, a few categories of people that I, I feel like it, it is appropriate for. Okay. okay you just good. Find, I like you just it. find one of them, right? Especially yep. with qualified money. I feel like yeah. it's, it's just, you can make a stronger case for it that you want to turn into a guaranteed stream of income when you're in retirement annuities. Oh, I just thought of one that, that needs, that could use it too. So okay. if you don't bring it up, I'll, I'll bring it up. All right. Sweet. Okay. The second one is there are, or can be specific things that, that help people with specific needs. Okay. So I'm thinking of, uh, a client of ours who was getting into an annuity was concerned about inflation. And we had a specific income rider that was designed to help with inflation. In other words, even if his uh, account didn't grow in that year, his income could go up depending on what inflation was. And it was actually linked to the inflation factor. So depending on what inflation was determined, how much his, his income went up. Hmm. Okay. So something kind of really specific like that. Or long-term care, or there are other reasons why, like very specific reasons why someone might uh, might go for it. But then the third one is inside of charitable planning, there are very compelling reasons why you use annuities that are that are specifically aligned with what you're trying to accomplish. So, for example, yeah. if someone is um, setting up a, a charitable trust that put. Uh, sends a, a specific amount of money to a charity on a scheduled basis, an annuity is a great way to do that. Those are my three categories. Okay. Those were good. And you didn't hit on the one that I was going to hit on. Ooh, so right. we've got a, a bonus fourth Sweet. and that is for private placement life insurance. Okay. So if you are wanting to use that concept, it's an, it's generally thought of as like an ultra high net worth concept where you're using life insurance as a wrapper and it's done generally on a variable annuity chassis, but that is another um, kind of unique and compelling reason that somebody could say, hey, an annuity really is going to provide me value that I can't get anywhere else. Yep. Okay, Rob, right. that's that's been fun, man. Gosh, annuities, they're, they were more exciting than I thought even, and I was like really excited going in. So yeah. that's, that really says something. Sweet. Um, okay, well, I think this has been fun, Rod. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, 
please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.